The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com. And you're very welcome to the RTE Rugby Podcast. Unfortunately, on the back of the news that the Munster-Lenster game has been cancelled this weekend, another match falling victim to covid Although I'm not sure how unhappy everyone is about it, given uh, the financial implications of the game going ahead with 5,000 people. Delighted to be joined nonetheless. The podcast goes on and uh, our last one before Christmas by Donald Lennon, by Bernard Jackman and Wes Diddy. And Donald, I guess, look, you know, there might be disappointment that the game itself isn't going ahead. I know you and I were supposed to be there in Thoman Park, but if you're a monster and you're looking at a sold out Thoman Park up to about a week ago versus 5,000 that were supposed to be there, given the COVID restrictions, it's probably not the worst news in the world, is it? No, it's not. But uh, I suppose the most shattering aspect for me, Hugh, is that I won't get to see you on St. Stephen's Day with your, your big happy red face and you after uh, a quiet Christmas day well, somewhere. Listen, I'll drive down to Cork if you want to give you your Christmas home. How about that? <laughs> no, stay where you are. You're grand. Uh, yeah. Well, I put it this way. Yeah, look, it was, um, obviously it was a kind of uh, a phase disappointment in a way. First of all, there was only going to be 5,000 at the match and then the game was going to be called off. Uh, look, I think given all the COVID issues that are out there anyway, to, to be interesting to see what, what teams would have ended up playing. Uh, judging by the basis of the, the, the game against Cast, which Thomas Park had its fullest crowd for nearly two years. And uh, God, I nearly fell asleep halfway through that. So uh, maybe it's a blessing in disguise in the short term. But look, it is a disappointment over the festive period that you don't have these games. Uh, thankfully, I'll now be able to sit down in front of the telly and watch the uh, the Ulster Connacht match. And I'm sure, uh, in time, when we're back there with a full house for Munster and Leinster, we'll get to enjoy it in better circumstances. Yeah, we've been speaking about player welfare issues, Birch. I guess you know over the last uh, six months on the podcast, Leinster won't be playing now for about three weeks. It looks like so they're getting a, a bit of a break, even though it's probably not what they would have envisaged. Um, but you look at the calendar now, I mean, you know, the URC game is being postponed and having to be replayed. You know, European rugby in serious doubt now about whether we can actually finish the pool stages. And it's just the calendar is becoming a mess with the Six Nations just around the corner. Yeah, the calendar is is, um, is a mess. And, and the URC, in fairness, they, they're, they have a chance of getting uh, the competition completed you know, because they had free weekends during the Six Nations. But it probably means that Leinster-Munster game now won't be a full-blooded affair. It'll be the the non-internationals who who end up playing in it. But yeah, the, we're in a really bad place. I mean, I, I was speaking to some people involved in Welsh rugby, and you know, they there. Well, one of the fixtures is off because of COVID, um, Dragons Ospreys. But the other Christmas derbies, which is probably one of the the only time of the year where they get big crowds, um, as now the Welsh government has said has to be played, you know, behind closed doors. So that's a huge uh, blow to them, uh, and they're cash cash uh, strapped as, as it is um, it, it's just a, in a really tricky place at the moment and look at um, yeah with the Six Nations on the on the horizon um, you just have to hope that they can get these le- the levels of uh, of cases under control because at the moment it, an, an outbreak a small outbreak seems to become to, to run through the squads uh, really quickly yeah Wesley I'm hoping to persuade you to turn you into a big horse racing fan December 26th you and me sit down have a couple of beers and I'll explain to you how horse racing works what do you reckon instead of the match I know I know how it works all too well Hugh is the reason I'm not a fan of it unfortunately <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> but uh, no it looks disappointing for I suppose a lot of supporters that would have been going to it when it was full kind of build their 
it's kind of the centerpiece of the Christmas. And even for, you know, the likes of ourselves, it's nice to have something to look forward to over the few days. But as you say, the full house probably softens the blow a little bit. Um, mm. It does make the Champions Cup organisers, I suppose, vindicated in their decision to, to pull the plug on that Leinster-Montpellier game last week. Um, with the benefit of hindsight, it was it was a correct decision, it seems. Um, you do wonder with 20 or 30 internationals in their squad, could Leinster still fail the team? But I suppose when it was yesterday that the news broke, you count it down, it's five days to, uh, to, to Sunday. So I suppose the rationale... I'm guessing is that there's a huge amount of close contacts, maybe as much as cases is what's led to the postponement, but obviously not privy to that information, but speculating. Yeah. It's just from the European context, Donald, it, it does look that Europe is, is going to be the one, if a competition has to suffer, that Europe will be the fall guy. And, and I say that, you know, from experience last year, we all remember what happened as well. We know the French attitude towards it, particularly the French clubs that don't particularly buy into it or who probably have chances have gone already. They just won't fulfill fixtures now, you know, if there's any reason to give them an out clause. And you just wonder now what Europe will do, what the heads will do to try and kind of mash a competition together so that we do get a result this season. Because it does seem vulnerable at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, you saw the, um, the response from the cast president before the game against Munster last week. He made it absolutely clear but they had no interest whatsoever traveling over to Limerick. Uh, there were going to be the there were seven clubs in the Champions, seven French clubs in the Champions Cup. All the other six games were cancelled either for COVID or because of the French government's travel ban on uh, UK uh, traveling in and out of the UK. So, um, like, Cast almost came to, to Limerick under protest. Now, to be fair, they did show up and they, they made the game competitive. But, um, you just get the impression with the French clubs because of what's happening there. Uh, unfortunately, for the majority of the clubs, not all of them, but the, the Champions Cup is down their list of priority. Mm. Um, you know, we've seen Montpellier, for example, in the first round, uh, when COVID wasn't a major issue a couple of weeks ago, they left all their main players at home. They went over to, to Exeter and got beaten 42-3 or 42-6 or something. Yeah, don't, so, this, uh, is not, this is not good. I mean, look, I know this is the French attitude in respect, you know, and they're, and they're kind of allowed to get away with this because it's the French and the top 14 is the be-all end-all. But it annoys me as a European <clears throat> rugby fan that they are allowed to do this and that they do do this. And I just don't think this is sustainable because the more I see the attitude of the French clubs, and it's the French clubs that, that make this a European competition, really, the more I see of their attitude, the more it just seems to devalue the tournament. And I find that Absolutely. very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. so do I. Look, I mean, I wrote a piece in the Examiner this morning about how, uh, unfortunately, the Champions Cup has been diluted. Now, to be fair, Mark Jones, the, the press officer, the, uh, the press guy with EPCR, was on to me this morning already, just looking to engage to, to let me know what's happening, which is great. I'm delighted to see them reaching out on the back of... of um, you know my own piece this morning, but I mean, I I do find it, I find it very disconcerting that you know the French, you know they they haven't been engaging, but they're not the only ones. I mean, to be fair, Leicester, who were top of the Gallagher Premiership, they made eight or nine changes to go down. They played uh, Bordeaux Bagley now, yeah. who were top of the French, uh, the top fourteen. To be fair to them, they won the game, which shows you maybe. A, just how deep a squad Steve Borthwick is building at Leicester. But B, you know, for the leading 
uh, the, 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 the club at the top of the French 14 to be beaten at home in the opening game. Sort of, I, I, I was a bit surprised with that result, I must say. But look, to be fair to uh, the Champions Cup, it's the third season where they've been massively hit by the COVID scenario. Um, they do have that little bit of wriggle room now. I mean, the one new innovation that I was looking forward to last year and this year was this home and away. Last year, it was supposed to be in the knockout phase. This year, it's penciled in for the round of 16, where you were going to have back-to-back home and away games where the aggregate score would dictate who was going forward to the next round. I have to say, I thought it was a very good innovation, one that I was really looking forward to, but I put my house in it that that's going to be cancelled now. They have to change the, the tournament midstream. That is the only way that they can generate an additional date to be able to play some of those postponed games. So, um, yeah. look, it's hugely difficult. This time of the year, I was making the point this morning, you know, uh, when you had the four rounds before Christmas and you had that big crescendo, you know, in the week or two building up to the Christmas period, how many times have we been down in Perpignan, in Claremont, in Toulouse, in brilliant, like the, the atmosphere in Christmas down in those cities, apps, yeah. the colour in the squares, uh, the atmosphere in the grounds, it made your Christmas. And you had the, I mean, I, I, I have fantastic memories over the years, Claremont in particular, they had these brilliant markets. and uh, But, you know, that's gone. And, you know, COVID has diluted it for everybody in the first place. And look, to be fair, there's little or nothing EPCR can do about that. But uh, I just find it sad that this was the competition, you know, that we really look forward to. But it's, you know, through no fault of their own, it's been diluted hugely, both the, by the actions of the clubs and by the COVID scenario. Yeah, and the URC is not getting off scot-free at all, Birch. I saw it this morning that Di Young um, says the Cardiff are going to need convincing now to travel back to South Africa based on their experience there over the last month or so. What do you make of that? Yeah, and I read um, well. I read Di Young's piece and Josh Turnbull as well, who's a yeah. who's the captain and is a very level-headed guy. Effectively, they were they were in some kind of isolation or quarantine for a month. Um, and, and their argument is that, you know, to go back there in, in March, I think they're scheduled to go back. They'll need some uh, assurances from the, from the Welsh government um, and the UK government that if something happens again, that they'll get them home. And that's the, that's the big thing. So they're not saying, you know, we're not, we're not going, we're not willing to go back, but they're just saying, look, we need to know what we're, we're heading into and be able to explain that to our families that if there is an, another outbreak uh, or there's a, you know, in the squad there, that they'll be able to get back. And, and I know it's, it's difficult to, to get, you know, um, certainty on these things, but you know, I, 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 I'd say it'd be very hard for Die Young to convince, you know, yeah. people with young families that it's worth the risk. And I think, unfortunately, I, I, I'd actually imagine that those games will be played in Italy this time. I, I, I just, like they were going to yeah. be, you know, I, I don't see teams going to, to South Africa, unfortunately, um, you know, for the rest of the season. And it's terribly difficult for them, but I, I'd imagine those games will be played, if they can be played at all, if the South Africans are able to, to come back to Europe. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's very hard for, you know, just the, the Cardiff players who got stranded out there. Munster as well, in fairness, they had half the squad stranded um, to, to go back again without really understanding the light of land. Yeah, and you'd... just on, just on that point, you sorry. I mean, I, hmm. I I I met one of the monster players who'd been one of the fourteen that was left behind in South Africa, 
uh, a good chap with a blast Saturday morning, and he said it was absolutely horrific. I thought they got out for a half an hour, a half an hour, like in in, in the day. They yeah. didn't even manage that. Uh, they had a balcony in their hotels, and they were able to get in and out, but they never left their hotel room. My God! Uh, sort of, they were given a a static bike, and they were cycling on that. Uh, the grub was left outside the door. There was communication from the medics, all right, in two or three times a day. But it was horrific. Um, so why would they be rushing to go back there when the whole thing, like we see how quickly the ground rules change in relation to COVID. And they had a horrendous experience. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I fully understand Dai Young coming out and saying, lads, we're going nowhere. until, yeah. At the very least, we get absolute assurance that we can be taken. Like that, the, the, sorry, no, one of the, I mean, he told me they had all, everything on the plane that Saturday that they were due to fly home. They had everything packed. They were in the airport and one positive case, uh, case came back and everything they had to turn around to go back to the hotel. He said it was absolutely shattering. Uh, uh, you know the great thing about the team, we'll all stick together. Which is the fellow who tested? Get him exactly. back into the hotel and fetch we're, him. We're, we're, on the, we're on the plane. So, yeah. No, but look, I mean, he was able to laugh about it, though. But uh, basically, he said it was a horrific two weeks. Yeah. Well, speaking of horrific experiences, Wes, did you see the Monster game at the weekend? I did. I did. It was two hours of my life that I will never get back. For people that turned up in Town Park, the Christmas spirit, you know, the full house capacity in Limerick, ready to go European night. And what they got was absolute drivel from start to finish. Never seen it like it. Where's the question there? I, I'm not sure what the question is. Well, I, I'm just I'm just teeing you up to have a rant, Wes. I mean, geez, you need a second invitation to have a rant on this podcast, yeah. I didn't well, think I, it was okay. as bad. I didn't think it was as bad as all that. I, um, I thought, yeah. Uh, no, look, it was pretty bad. In fairness, um, uh, yeah, it was it was bad. I thought there was a couple of passages that were promising. I thought listening to what Donald said kind of emphasised it. It was probably somewhat understandable considering the backdrop, you know, of kind of constantly reintegrating players after the whole South African thing, that there'd be a little bit of a lack of cohesion. But um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose they they bought the they bit the bullet with some of the younger guys that had performed well the week before, like like Campbell and, and Hardnett and a couple of others. And obviously there's a hierarchy there and, and whatnot, but I nearly wonder, could they have gone a bit further with some of the younger guys that had played the week previously? Um, I thought Conor Murray was absolutely horrific. And I'm not trying to say, like, he hasn't been playing well for a long time. He he box-kicked the ball in positions where Munster had actually, you know, a reasonable chance to attack um, the cast back line. And Conor Murray went to tie, box-kicked the ball. And it was just, it was just awful to watch. And well, you know it, does, I, it does, it does copper fasten like, like that point in the selection. I think, and it's not to be kicking them when they're down, but like, in in terms of selection, particularly when it comes to youth. And look, we've been going on about this for a long time, but in terms of selection, when it comes to youth, and, and probably tactically too, it, it seems more like, it seems Munster are the most conservative of the most four, of the four provinces. Um, yeah. So, but and, it begs the question as well, Wes. Begs the question, like you know. I mean, I, I think they, I think they're getting really lucky here by 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 losing Van Grand. And I was watching this at the weekend, and this is not to say that all Munster games have been like this, but certainly an awful lot of the games that I've watched over the last couple of years, in particular, you can point to that same tactical display that we got against Cass on Saturday night. They definitely seem to revert to that when pressure comes on, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, 
Like you look at the job Andy Friend has done in Connacht in terms yeah. of selecting youth and in terms Absolutely. of style of play. And I, I, I wouldn't buy for a second that the raw, like you hear sometimes that, you know, it's not the way the players grew up. They're not used to playing this game. I've always thought that was complete rubbish. Um, there's no way the skill set in Connacht is any better than it is in Munster. Um, and I think it actually, if the people making the decision are, are looking at it correctly, I think, I think it emphasises exactly the kind of coach they're looking for when they make the appointment. And that there seems to be a bit of writing on the wall that maybe mar- huge marquee signings are going to be limited for the next period of time, that the- these young players are going to have to be promoted. It's, I think it's going to come centrally that certain players are going to have to feature right. more. Right. Um, so I think it's a character that a guy that's like a, a real charismatic figurehead, someone that emboldens people, someone that breeds confidence. I think that the assistant coaches can can look after the detail around game plan, but I think a figurehead is really important. Someone that emboldens youth and like the only one person they've had that's probably ticked that box over the last number of years is, is probably Razzie, um, who obviously didn't last very long. But I think I think it's someone in that mold as as, as the top man is has kind of become clearer and clearer. Yeah, I won't give the have... word to Jack O'Donoghue, though. I thought he had a great game. Yeah, he did play very well. I thought Hodnett wasn't bad as well. But Birch, I, honestly, if I was if I was a Munster player now, I'd be kissing the sweet ground saying, thank God your man has gone. Because, like, you know, the, the young players that are there have more than enough talent to come into this Munster team over the next year or two and make it a really exciting team. We've seen all these guys in action for Ireland under 20s or even for club level, some of them, and what they're capable of producing versus what we saw last weekend and that again not to harp on I know this isn't always but like it seems to be a reverted type issue with Johan van Grand. you think of all the big games that Munster have played the Leinster game last time out they just completely shut down last year as well in the big games the semi-finals of the, the Champions Cup they shut down revert to type like the game is passing Johan van Grand by and if I'm a Bath fan I'm looking at that and going is this what we're getting for the next couple of years? Yeah, yeah look I'm sure um it's, a, it's, it's amazing that he was in demand by Munster and Bath so he must be doing something uh, he must have a good agent. He must have a good agent. Something I can't right. work out. Yeah. I, 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 I think I think, his agent. No, 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 no. I'm uh, <laughs> not representing anybody. Um, the uh, the problem is is that Cass came to Limerick there for the taking. They were ripe to get you know uh, a typical European performance. Um, they they had play, fellas who hadn't played uh, Champions Cup before, and Munster never really. Put you know, put the gun to their head, and and you know, and that, some of that was around the decisions with penalties, just kick three points, kick three points, and um, whereas I think if Munster had gone to the corner um, early in the game, I think the whole uh, you know uh, game could have could have changed, but they got caught in this in this game of cat and mouse, and and in fairness, they were, they were probably never going to lose it, but it was a dangerous game to play, and also it was a backward step for what we'd seen the week before in, in Was, and um, I, I I it's something that. That's I think Larkham and Van Gran and Roundtree are going to have to look at for the rest of the season because I don't think that that game plan will will beat the top teams. Um, but be that, that game plan is it's redundant, Birch. It's redundant. Yeah. The game, yeah, has, the game moved has changed, on. but it's moved on from that. Yeah, it has. It has, and um, I think Munster are underselling themselves um, by doing that. I think they have better players than than, than we're seeing. But look at maybe because. Of all the different distractions and combinations, etc., they felt for that game it was the best way to go. But um, you'd like to see them over the next well when they play again, being a little bit more expansive in their mindset. 
I, I don't know if they're capable of doing that under Van Grand. To be honest with you, I've long, I've long questioned, you know, what it is that you know this guy brings to Munster, and what this is not after timing here. I know he's on the way out, but I've always just scratched my head when I've wondered Munster in big games. We've seen glimpses of what they're very good at, but it's it's all very specifically coached areas of the game that Munster have been strong in their pack, their set piece, their line out. Um, but the game has moved on a huge amount, even in the last 18 months, I feel, even just watching what Ireland are doing now yeah. and, and what other countries there's are no, doing now. Yeah, there's no question about that. But the thing that I find frustrating, and to be fair, I mean, uh, every Conor Murray box kick, you could almost sense the frustration within the crowd. Uh, you have to think you 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 have to think he's playing to direction because that wasn't the case in the in the game the previous week. But in terms of having a, an attacking strategy, when you look at the personnel that Munster have available to them with Diolanda, with Chris Farrell, with Andrew Conway, who every yeah. time he touches the ball he does something positive, with Keith Harrells. Uh, they have so many options at full back, be it Campbell now, Mike Haley, Simon Zebo, uh, Gallagher. You think of all these guys, Calvin Nash. Like they have the quality to be no able question. to stress, to be able to stress teams in other ways. And we have seen when when you get to the knockout phase of be it in Europe or even in the in the URC or Pro 14 as it was, Munster haven't been able to stress other packs up front to the extent that they will throughout the the standard phase of the league programme. So it's it's massively frustrating from that point of view. Uh, I know there was a bit, you know, you go back to the Wasp game and all the changes. There wasn't any great structure. It was a case of let the young fellas fly, let them off. But it was just so refreshing to watch. You go down, sit down on Sunday and you watch the way Connacht played against Leicester. Bear in mind, Leicester, uh, that was their 13th competitive game. There were 12 out of 12 in all competitions. And Connacht were leading that game at half time. They were still in the fight. Obviously, got a losing bonus point, but they're just they maximise the sum of their parts. Munster, there is so much more within that group that they haven't even touched. That for me is the frustration. I couldn't agree more. The point, uh, you know, I read a piece by by Stuart Barnes in the Times during the week. Who I have great time <laughs> former bat player. Yeah, yeah. Barnes is great. He's he's actually watching afar. He's out in Australia. I think he's two kids living in Australia, so he's he's working. I know because I was talking to him on the phone a couple of weeks ago. But um, you know, he had a piece the other day. Bath, uh, they've got their man. Um, you know, I think if any of the Bath fans, exactly what you're saying, if they watch the way months, because Bath through the years, Bath have always been um, a, a team that play fantastic rugby. No, I think I think Van Gran has been very smart in terms of the move he's making. I would equate it to what Warren Gatlin did back in 2002 when he got fired by Ireland. And Was had, uh, you looked at the names on the team sheet, they had fantastic individual players, but they were going through a horrific time. Uh, they were down the bottom of the league. But Gatlin looked at the personnel involved and he knew that this crowd could go places. I think Bath are in the exact same position, given the quality of personnel they have. But will Van Grand be able to lift them to the to the same extent that Warren Gatlin did almost twenty years ago? Now, uh, on the evidence of what we are seeing, no. I mean, no. I think the broader picture from a Munster perspective is why are all these fellas leaving? You know, the likes of Rassi. Well, we know why the Rassi and Dean Arbor left. To be fair, they got a carrot to go back to coach South Africa to win the World Cup kind of difficult to turn that down really when you think about it when you're a passionate South African like they were mm. 
Uh, but, you know, the Jer- Jerry Flannery, Felix Jones, who've proved themselves since they've moved on. Um, Stephen Larkham, I know, again, you have to take his family considerations into account. But, uh, you know, it, I just think it doesn't reflect well in Munster that these people are happy to move on. No. And can you shed any light, Donald, briefly on Declan Kidney being late with the move back? Is that something that's in the pipeline? He's been, as a, a director of rugby type role. <coughs> Do you know anything about that? Well, I that? think this, this, this came out in the rugby paper. Obviously, I saw John Fallon picked it up. John was covering the Connacht game in, in, in Welford Road on Saturday, so he obviously picked it up there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a grain of truth in it. I mean, I can tell you, having had conversations with Gareth Fitzgerald, late Gareth Fitzgerald, 10 years ago, when mm-hmm. Declan finished up as national coach, uh, there was a vision there that he would be the perfect guy as director of rugby and would have a vision for the province going forward. Um, it never happened for one reason or the other. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a grain of, if, if there is a bit of truth in it. Declan, he'll be three years in London Irish. He uh, has done a brilliant job there. They were in the championship. He got them up to the premiership. They're now mid-table to go into, t- uh, into sort of uh, being in contention to qualify for the Champions Cup next year. Um, I'm quite sure he'll want to come home at some stage, but uh, look, I, I, the issue with Munster at the moment, they have so many different personnel and roles that they have to fill. I mean, if you go down the director of rugby role, then he has to pick who the head coach is. And the head coach has to be happy with who the assistant coaches are. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole, there's a jigsaw that has to be put together. So uh, they have a lot of work to do. Okay, we do have one match this weekend. Um, it is Ulster against uh, Connacht in the URC. Michael Glennon spoke to Ulster defence coach Jared Payne and started by asking him to assess Ulster's progress in the second block of the season. Yeah, we're definitely making strides in some areas. Um, we've been a lot better at, at uh, some of our attack shape. We've been working on pretty hard, giving us multiple options. And I think we saw that there on Friday night. We scored a great try early on in the game. So that was really pleasing to see. Um, some of our defensive work is coming through, the ability to keep our spacing really well. And it's, uh, it's all coming through. So making small um, steps in the right direction, definitely. I think after the last two games, Dan, against Connacht, Dan wasn't, wasn't very happy, we'd say. And he, he seems to suggest that there was something lacking in Ulster. That he was giving Connacht some credit, but he wasn't very complimentary of, of Ulster's own performance. Is that something you've addressed specifically about how your attitude is going into the game specifically against Connacht? Um, yeah, I think it's it's any game of rugby, isn't it? It's um, it's all easy during the week to say you're going to do X, Y, and Z, but when you actually get punched in the face in a game of rugby, you get hit hard. Um, things can change, can't they? So we've definitely addressed uh, how we navigate our way through momentum and emotion of a game, um, good or bad. You know, when we're up against it, what we do as a group, when things are going well for us, what we do as a group. So we've definitely tried to put a few uh, processes in place to help the guys. And I think that um, they've used them pretty well in some of the games. Down in Clermont, there's a bit, uh, bit of a, you know, it was, what was it, the third quarter, I think, where they came back at us pretty hard. There was a bit of pressure on the lads, you know. And for them to have to navigate that space and come out on the right side was, uh, was great. So we've definitely been working on different elements of how we get through a game momentum-wise and how we manage that. And, um, it's going in the right direction, but there's always going to be ups and downs like anything. So uh, I'm sure we get tested pretty well this week, but on it. I think they're the class as a team at the moment, aren't they? Very dangerous, very aggressive in defence. Um, they come forward and 
they score tries in defence. They, they, they put teams under pressure. So I think they're, they're growing there. And then with attack, they've always been a team with a lot of variety. And they control the field position very well. So, yeah, I think they've grown massively as a team. And they're playing very well at the moment. So one word to sum them up, I'd say dangerous, mate. Both sides of the ball is dangerous with the way they defend. And then dangerous with the variety they can play with. There'll be um, starter plays they've got. They've got a few nice little plays options as well. And if that doesn't go right, they've got pretty good following Carty that can pin you, put, put you back in your own half. So they're a dangerous team at the moment. So that was Jared Payne there speaking to, to Mick. Um, and just before we get to the match itself, I guess um, news that Ultra Delan is, is leaving Connacht. Uh, Wes, a really good player um, over the years for Connacht and has got an opportunity at La Rochelle. And I think, you know, if, if, he, if he's looking at this and saying, look, where, where am I in relation to the Irish picture with the amount of second rows coming through now and options that are for Andy Farrell, it's probably a great move for him at the end of his career, isn't it? Yeah, I don't even think it is the end of his career, really. I mean, he's, he's still pretty young. Um, big loss for Connacht and that he's the second international second row to leave in a short space of time but um, they were unlucky the weekend just gone like did well to get the point at the end um, I suppose that game and the, the Ulster game like just going back to Donald's point that the tournament's in a bit of a mess like the atmosphere of both of those grounds at Welford Road and in Raven Hill kind of showed all that the tournament has gone for it. Like, to me, when the tournament is going well, like, I, I think it's a better tournament than the Six Nations. So, it's it's a huge shame to see it, I don't know, like, fall from grace a little bit. But I think the variety you get with it in terms of the players you see, uh, the different venues you get to, it's just... I, I can't understand how, how every... All the constituent stakeholders have never made it the centrepiece of their calendar, but... I suppose just on the flip side of that, like the English challenge for this tournament this year has been terrible. Like from the very outset, you looked at the whole list of teams from the Gallagher Premiership and you said, there's not a hope any of them are going to win it. Like North Northampton were flying, um, lost both games. Um, wasn't that impressed with Leicester. Like I, I saw an article in the, someone, I think it was in the Irish press the weekend saying that George Ford, was the greatest out half to have ever played for England. Um, uh, it was, it was, it was, was it Mike Ford who wrote it, no? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. And, and like, <laughs> then you see Courtney Laws playing up in Raven Hill. And like, I saw him getting picked in World 15s and that a couple of months ago. And you're just back to kind of the, the old thing of them. Some of these English players being massively overrated again. And, Anyway, I, I'm going off Connacht there, but I suppose that was what struck me about the Leicester Connacht match, having a look at it. Yeah, well, for uh, Birch, obviously, you know, like, you know, an Irish player moving to France like that, Fulton to land. Um, well, I think it's a fantastic move for him. And I, obviously, Ronald O'Gara would have had a hand in this one, but um, for him, I, I, it is towards the end of his career. He probably looked up and said, look, Ireland here, Connacht, I've had my time there. I need some sunshine. I need some decent weather. La Rochelle, here I come. Yeah, uh, Rassing were very taken by him, I think you know, 16 or 17 months ago when there was discussions there. And I think he signed for another year to, to really give it a, a proper lash under, under Farrell um, to see if he could force his way into being a regular Ireland starter. And in fairness, it doesn't look like he will be. And I think he's yeah. accepted that. Um, and I think it's a great move for him. Sammy Arnold as well, obviously, he's leaving to go to Breve for, yeah. for a three-year contract. So I think those guys who are just outside the, the, the national team um, kind of, uh, window or our or, 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 or choice of of Andy Farrell 
I think they should look at, at going away and having that experience. I mean, La Rochelle is obviously a beautiful place to um, to live. Obviously, a very strong team. O'Gar is recruiting really well. You know, potentially win a not far away from a top fourteen, maybe a Champions Cup winners um, in the next couple of years. So it's certainly not like you know um, throwing away your career. He can go and have a, a phenomenally exciting. Um, end of his career or, or a period in his career and then come back but uh, yeah I, 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 w- I certainly wouldn't begrudge him it's obviously difficult for Connor as, as Wesley said he lost Quinn Rue last year um, they've got some good y- young locks but and Donica Ryan's over there isn't he with, with Raj at the moment Donica Ryan's the, line, is the forwards coach yeah uh, yeah right yeah, so, yeah, so we work um, with him. yeah no, there's a nice little uh, Irish community there but it, it's a, it's serious rugby as well you know what I mean it's, uh, it, it's playing in the top 14 is, is relentless and probably that's why they take their eye off Europe a lot of times. I think the only way Europe will become a priority for English and French is if they incentivize it like the Champions League, where you know you, you get a, a big payment for, for winning each match. Um, because that's the only thing that'll matter to presidents in France is and, and also directors rugby's director of rugby's get influenced by the presidents because they need to um, make the books, the books tally. So that's the only way forward. I mean, you know, just because we love it, we don't understand what the top fourteen means. Yeah. We don't understand, you know, the the, the Leicester Northampton rivalry, etc. So for them, for them, in fairness, they get that intensity or that rivalry or that prestige in their own leagues. Unfortunately for us, the URC is still trying to to build that, and uh, until they make it financially uh, exciting for the French. They they'll continue to treat us um, as they are at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, Wes, the boss going to want to talk to you, RT, with the Six Nations back for the first time, and you're already pooing all over and saying it's worse than European rugby. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's wrong with you at all. Jesus. Yeah, some someone from Warner Brothers wants to talk to you about you living on the set of the Miami Vice remake. <laughs> <laughs> Is it that bad? Jesus. Well, you're, Birch is in a library. You're in a, a 1980s remake and Donald is lamenting the loss of his trips to France's best Christmas markets. I really yeah. doing something wrong here. Yeah, listen, anyway, Ulster, Ulster against Connacht live on uh, RT Radio 1 uh, on December the 26th. Um, that's uh, as much as we have for with obviously the other game postponed. Gents, thanks for all your contribution over the year. We will be back after Christmas with a review of uh, the action that did take place. Uh, but happy Christmas to you all. Uh, it's been a pleasure, as always. And uh, Donald, if you want that hug on the 26th, just give us a shout. I'm only two hours up the road, all right? Yeah. Virtual hug will do for me, Hugh. Right, okay. Good luck, lads. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Good luck. The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com.